is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we were offering five conversations from episode 24, our review of last week's Innovations in Naval Care Congress, year two. Plus, from the vault, conversation 24.1 from season three, our review episode from last year's INCBCN1. This conversation opens our episode with me asking the Innovations in Naval Care co-hosts, Jeff Lazarus and Jorn Schottenberg, what they hope to achieve in this year's Congress and how it differed from last year's. Jeff starts by talking about their desire to, as he puts it, expand the community of practice with a significant amount of focus on endocrinology this year and less direct involvement from patients. Jorn points to the practical hands-on training in the NIT Summit to educate other specialists on how to use NITs. Jeff, Jorn, Louise, and I all discuss experiences we had being scanned in honor of Jorn's first-ever scan at that meeting. This leads to Jeff discussing the challenges with taking fiber scan into the community and how few people have hands-on experience with scanning. Louise follows up by discussing her experience scanning the community, ends by asking Jorn how it felt to get his result. Uh, Jeff talks about how it felt to get himself scanned for the first time in Denmark two weeks earlier, and his relief at learning his level is the same as the very athletic Jorn Schottenberg. The conversation ends with me recounting my first fiber scan experience, which was quite a bit different. INCBCN is a different concept of what a medical conference can be. Year two is not the same as year one, but like year one, it was an exciting meeting driven by a different perspective of what it wanted to achieve. It's an excellent conference and occasionally eye-opening, an opportunity for you to listen, sit back, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion in our LinkedIn discussion group. INC2. We talked about it in the preview, but just to set this up for anybody who might not have been to the preview, Jeff and Jorn, I'd love it if you take a minute or two before we start, talk about what you're hoping to achieve this year and how it was different or similar from what you looked to achieve in uh, last year's meeting, just so folks who did not hear either one in person or in real time have context for the rest of the conversation. Jeffrey Lazarus. Okay. Well, one of the goals this year was really to expand the community of practice. So we wanted to engage more with endocrinologists, more with primary care. Again, with patients as well, last year we had a whole patient roundtable, and this year, uniquely, we had an entire endocrinology session. And I think that was an important difference. We also wanted to start in thinking about new concepts like preventive hepatology. So not just preventing those with liver disease from advancing to cirrhosis or HCC, but also primary prevention. So we were trying to look at the liver a bit more holistically and look at who else um, should be involved in a multidisciplinary approach. So we'll come back to preventive hepatology because I thought that was actually one of the more interesting short exchanges of the first morning of the conference and was, was around that topic. So that's great. And I thought the endocrinology session was fascinating. And as you point out, different from last year. Jörn Schottenberg. Yeah, let me add in. I think um, um, this is the second time. So we were both anxious whether it would draw enough attention again and uh, see the participation and whether it could live up to last year's expectations. And I say I was taken away how well the comments went this year. So overall, I have a very positive feeling leaving um, uh, Barcelona. One of the learnings was that we wanted to include some practical hands-on sessions. And for that, when we designed the program, Jeff and I were thinking how that could have been achieved. And I think for, for me, a very special, unique new feature was actually the hands-on training and the, and the NIT summit that was not you know to educate hepatologists, but to educate people that have not come into contact with NIT so frequently and provide a learning platform. And I think moving forward, this is one of the parts that we really want to expand and broaden 
on. Again, I got scanned during uh, the NIT summit. Uh, I have a 3.3, uh, Louise, and I think it was, I forgot, but I think it's below 200. That's maybe wishful thinking. But anyway, so you can get scanned, you can scan, and you can just make experience with those NITs, which is certainly needed. And I think the NIT summit is a good platform for that. So how many folks attended the NIT summit? We were probably 60 people or so, including a handful online. Obviously, they, they weren't involved in the hands-on training. You know, a lot of people go to the meeting who are hepatologists and who have seen a fibro scan. So I was happy to have that kind of numbers also because it was really hands-on and there were only two fibro scans. There couldn't be that many more people. So I think it was it was good. Um, you know, we had a couple people from my team who spoke with EchoSense and are going to be able to borrow a fibro scan ticket into the community. Because, you know, one of the things is when we're working on biohepatitis and, you know, I have a long history with hepatitis C elimination efforts, we don't fibro scan in the community. It's it's harder. I mean, we have to get it there. We need more privacy. It's slower, but um, but we don't do it at all. It's, that's something we want to change. And I think um, it was a real eye-opener for, for many people who have never seen a fibro scan, have no idea how it works, didn't even fully comprehend what it meant. You know, little by little, this is how we start to change the field. The same way many hepatologists who work in clinics have never seen rapid diagnostic tests. They've never seen an HCV antibody test. They've never seen a dried blood spot card and so on. Louise Campbell. I thought that was fascinating and it it's fantastic. How did people react? The biggest one of the biggest points for me in Fibroscan is actually how people react to having one that's different to a blood test. So Jean, you do what I would like everybody to know. Everybody knows their blood pressure. Everybody should know two numbers about their liver. Their liver fat and their liver stiffness. So one nine seven and 3.3 or something like that so that you know where you're going in the direction. It's excellent to have people do hands-on training, but it's also important to say that you've got to be supervised for a number of scans after by a highly experienced person to make you proficient in fibre scanning. It's it's more than just doing the hands-on and I am more than happy to give a master shop work class in fibre scanning in the community, having done it from yachts to hotels to seaside resorts to all sorts of places. We focus on community scanning and it can be so much more engaging for anybody who's being scanned and particularly more difficult to reach populations. So it is a, it's a fabulous thing. So what was the, what was the feel when you had your 3.3, Jean, and your normal fat content? So it was actually my first scan. I, believe it or not, never got one. I think I did one myself standing up way between the door and the machine, which is not a valid scan. So it's nice to get a number where I would have hoped for that result, but then you never know, right? And until you get scanned. And that's, you know, that's this history that Jeff knows from also infectious disease, uh, get tested. Um, and get ruled out. Uh, I think that's key because I know a number of doctors with NAFL and some fibrosis and we're not the health- healthiest people, although we talk health. So it's always interesting. Um, Jeff, did you get scanned? So I was actually scanned two weeks earlier in Odense, Denmark, when I was visiting Alexander Krau um, and Maya Thiele. I was giving the opening talk when she became a professor and they gave me a nice tour. They fibro scanned me with the whole unit around and coincidentally, I was also 3.3. I'm, now I'm even happier knowing that Yarn, who's so thin and fit, <laughs> is a 3.3. I would have thought there was something wrong with the machine, but mine was in a completely different country. But I have to say, when you're lying there and everyone's laughing and joking for a minute, you think, what if it's nine, you know? 
like, I don't know, what if it's seven? So, so you worry a little bit. And then when the number comes up, you're like, oh, yeah, like you said, we can rule this out. It's something everyone should have done. Um, they should be aware and then work to not let that number increase. I think it's an engaging tool, as you know, but I think the funny thing is the reaction. Older people always go, oh, my God, I can't believe it's that good. Younger people go, oh, my God, I can't believe it's because everybody expects the liver to age as we age and it doesn't. So it's a, it's a great learning opportunity. Um, but so no, it's, it is interesting, the dynamics of lying on that table going, oh, have I made the right decision now? Knowing even if it's not great is always good. It gives us an opportunity, as you know. So I'm glad it was so well received. So I'm delighted that you both had such good experiences. I think, I'm think i sure you weren't as familiar. I'm not sure Jeff has or at least has heard about my first uh, fiber scan experience. I had a very large rib cage. And um, this was done in uh, Stephen Harrison's office in San Antonio right before the pandemic by one of his people. And as they're scanning me, I'm watching Stephen get greener and greener. He looks at me and says, has anyone ever talked to you about liver transplant? That's serious. I said, uh, I have really large ribs. You might want to have somebody else do this. And in fact, Stephen then proceeded to do it himself. And I scored about three point something. I forget what it was. And we all had a good laugh. But for a moment there, it was interesting. But I think that does show that it's not just a simple test. If you get too high or too low, you're going to get a higher reading than you should. And I think you really have to be aware. You also have to look at the elastograms to know that you're in the right tissue. It's not just point and shoot, um, because if you point and shoot in the wrong area, you can make people cerotic. Or score cerotic. You don't make them cerotic. I did did not not become cerotic. I just scored cerotic. But thank God it was was different. But but, but Jeff, that that actually brings me to the point I wanted to ask, which is that the conference itself, with the uh, ability to go virtual, you can curate it, you can keep it small, and you can have pretty broad global throw. But NIT Summit, because it's hands-on, doesn't necessarily throw as much off outside the room, would be my guess. And my question is, does it make sense to try to make that a brand and take it to other meetings as well? Oh, I think it does. The same way, again, with biohepatitis, you know, RDT, rapid diagnostic test trainings. We should go around. And I mean, I'm sure Equisense, but also other countries that uh, companies that do TE um, would be happy. Um, there's a lot of people who can speak on NITs. We probably needed to have a slightly more beginner presentation of NITs to people. Some people really have no idea what we're talking about. You know, you have to spell out non-invasive tests, tell how many there are, why you use some and not others. So already I'm working on a, on a plan I'll share with you, Yaron, for next year about, about how that can look a little different and then tell people, you know, what time of the day they should come. So the beginners should come from the beginning and those with more experience and want to have a debate really on, you know, cutoffs and so on can come towards the end and then we'll figure out if we do the same kind of training or a slightly different hands-on training. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page in which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, we will post after the end of International Nash Day, after you have had the opportunity to consume a day of fantastic liver presentations. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye-bye now. <laughs>